everybody, and welcome back to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of this show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 119, Books Were Reading. There's a period between each word of the title. Yeah, now and and in the recent past. Very punctuated. Oh, Mm -hmm. punctual. We're a a week (laughs) late, but nobody wants to listen to a podcast. Yeah, nobody wants to listen to a podcast about productivity in the first week of January. But we're getting back into the year. Yeah. Lots of people have a New Year's resolution to read more. We're not talking about resolutions in this episode. We've talked lots about resolutions in the past. Including episode number 67. Are resolutions worth it? And 92 hmm. New Year's resolutions or rituals. Rituals, yeah. right? Because neither of us really set resolutions. No. Did you set any this year? No. no. I have, I mean, every semester I set kind of intentions for yeah. how I want this term to go. But that doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the fact that it's a new year. It's new time periods are always kind of a period of renewal and semesters in my head will always be a time for kind of reflecting and figuring out what I want to spend the next four months on. Yeah. So I guess I have a couple of resolutions related to my work based on the semester calendar, but mm. not like a resolution to read more books or... Yeah. Lose X pounds. No, nothing like that. Yeah. Me either. Well, I, I have a couple little ones. What are they? Uh, number one is to do a fake commute every Ooh, day. Nice. Yeah. So the, this is the thing about working from home is you don't leave home, <laughs> you know, uh, except when I travel for talks or go to the coffee or like do things around town, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the bedroom is upstairs. The office is a level below. So I have to walk 20 or the, well, the commute has gone up in this new house. It used, to, stairs here. It, it used to be about 10 steps. Now it's about 30. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, not enough. You need to. I think you need to get out of the house a little more. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> if other busy people have time to do a commute and drive like half an hour, an hour, mm-hmm. I have time for a walk every morning, even though it's Absolutely. like minus twenty and disgust. Well, not dis- It's cozy if you're inside this week. I mean, it's nice to enjoy the snow. I think it's. We're in a city where last year we have. Ottawa is a beautiful city, and it has a wonderful winter festival yeah. that involves the one of the longest skating rinks in the world. It's not the longest, but it's one of the longest. And so Winnipeg, <laughs> wow. I think, has M- the title of the Miss- longest. <laughs> Mrs. Technical over there. Well, people will really harp on that because people are really diehard about that. People there. from Winnipeg will write in. <laughs> and you don't want people from Winnipeg so writing in. it's one of Canada's in. longest Actually, skating it's rinks. too cold this time of the year to type in Winnipeg. But it's not cold enough for this thing to freeze. So last yeah. year, the first time in history... This yeah. beautiful canal didn't freeze, and so we didn't get to go skating at all. Yeah. So this year, I'm really hoping for just the winteriest of winter weather so that our canal, our wonderful canal in this city will freeze. That would be the bomb. Because then I could literally skate to work, yeah. which is so cool. And bringing us back to commutes, oh. I am somebody who has a very active commute. And I think we've been talking about this where one day I got to work and I had taken the bus that day which involves a little walking, but it doesn't involve my nice 20-minute bike ride, which is just a great way to get your heart rate a little bit up Mm -hmm. and burn a little of that steam before you get to work. Yeah. Um, And I was so restless all day. I just found myself kind of antsy and wanting to move a little bit more than I do when I bike. And I was thinking, 
man, I really love my active commute. Yeah. And if I get to skate, that'll be another active commute. The fake active commute. Yeah. So if you build yourself a little walk every day, it'll also get you outside. Yeah. Walking's good for the body, for the brain. Yeah. It's nice to, you know, I, I look, it's funny. We, we look all kinds of places for productivity advice. Mm-hmm. Books, podcasts. TED Talks. TED Talks. A lot of different places. Um, but one of the places we often don't look is our own past, mm. our own history, where we have so many data points at our disposal about how we've spent our time, attention, and energy in the past. And we all have days where we were more productive or less productive, and they usually have something in common. And so uh, I think this is kind of an underrated thing to look at. And, you know, looking back at my own most productive days, they were days when I got my heart rate elevated before I started working. So I'm excited for that. Um, And speaking of elevated heart rate, that goes to my second New Year's resolution, um, because I will be elevating the heart rate of people who see me uh, in a good way by growing a beard. (laughs) That's like a three out of 10 transition, right? Out of 10? Three is a push. Oh, Uh, (laughs) But your beard is looking very good, I guess. Yes, full. Yeah, it's very full. Yeah. This this is the good thing about like, it's a book writing year this year. Yeah, it'll be a home kind of year. Yeah, there's no like, well, except for talks and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I guess I'll have to keep it well manicured, but any beard tips, chris at chrisbailey.com. But that's not, (laughs) nobody cares. Nobody cares about that. I mean, and I think going back to the commute idea though, that'll be really helpful because it's also good to have a kind of routine where work yeah. starts and ends, especially when you mm, work from home, Yeah, it can kind of just bleed into all of your time. And I mean, I work from home a lot, but I also work from the office and I find it's helpful for me also just to kind of have that routine where once I bike, I get to the office, I just dive into work. It's It's very habitual. And I know lots of people have been figuring out the work from home thing. I'm just so much more productive when I work from the office. So, and I think part of that is because I have this ritual around the commute, which kind of separates me from the stuff I do at home. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. There you go. So we talk about books on the podcast. We don't talk about your book though. No, that'd be self-promotional. <laughs> Although that said, I think some of the more useful tips I've had from productivity <laughs> books come from your books. So I will, I will plug them because... I'm your wife and I can. Um, you have three wonderful books. Rank them. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> will I, will I'll, I get I'll in trouble? Right. No, no, no trouble. No trouble. Because different people have yeah. different favorite books. Not, like Some people have read all three and they have a favorite. But So there's How to Calm Your Mind, the most yeah. recent. Hyperfocus, the one before that. And Productivity Project, the one before that. And How to Train Your Mind. And How to Train Your Mind, the Audible original, which you count as a book. I do. And I always waffle on whether to count it as a book. It's a book. Okay. All right. Okay. Set that one aside, though. Okay. Because it's audio only. But I love that book. Okay. Book Uh, with quotes around. Okay. If we're doing the physical books. Third place. Let's start. Three, two, one. Three, two, one? Yeah. And why? And why? Productivity uh, productivity Project, the first one. Why? Um, People say it's the most tactical. I just disagree. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Harsh. Uh, I, I'm so happy I no, asked this question. I think it's tactical. Yeah. I just don't know if I think it's the most tactical. Because oh. I think the one that I'm going to put first okay. is the most tactical. So the Productivity Project by far 
the worst book I've no, ever No, not by far written. the worst. You're making me rank three things I love. That's <laughs> okay. not fair. <laughs> number two. I, I guess prefer- you have to pick uh, two and one at the same time. Yeah. So number two would be hyper-focused for me. And number yeah. three is how to calm your mind. Oh. So I guess for me, so all, it's on an upward trajectory. Every book I like better. Oh, yeah. Wait for me to blow it with the next one. So why, so, why number two? The trend is good. Yeah. The trend line is good. <laughs> why, why two and one? Um, It might be a bit of a recency bias. I recognize yeah. in my head where I, I've just read the third one a lot more and you've been talking about those ideas a lot more lately. Yeah. I think the idea of hyper-focus, I'm not, I don't know why I don't wouldn't rank it as... I think the, the ideas in How to Calm Your Mind just really, really, really resonated with yeah. me. And I mean, hyper-focus did too, but How to Calm Your Mind, I just felt like I still think about it constantly. And even if it wasn't written by you, I think mm. that would be true. So, and I, hyper-focus has that, those components. And even... Um, the productivity project does. It was just written a lot longer ago, so yeah. I think it's also harder for me to. It's not as tangible in my memory. Huh. I have yeah. the same order. <laughs> Three, the productivity project is the first one. Yeah, and why I would rank it number three, mm-hmm. not to put down my work. Do you think people find this interesting? I don't know. Maybe um, you can let us know, folks. <laughs> no, don't let <laughs> and don't let us know which one's your least favorite. <laughs> uh, but uh, I would put it number three because there was no real through line through the book. And as a writer, that if I could go back and change something, I would want to change the most about that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with the benefit of hindsight, but also with the benefit of improving and, and honing this skill over time. Uh, number two, I would rank hyper-focus, which I love. And, and yeah, um, uh, the research behind it, I, I loved digging into that. Same with number one, how to calm your mind. H- how to calm your mind. People want calm less than they want productivity. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's interesting the places that these books perform geographically the best. Like uh, calm by far out of all the books did the best in Canada, mm-hmm. but the worst in the U.S., um, and internationally, it's kind of a similar mixed bag. Mm. And so I, I would say like Calm has been the least commercially successful so far, so far. Every but book, it's also way less time. Yeah, that's true. And every book has a different kind of sales curve over time. But it is by far, by far my favorite. Yeah. And I think the most helpful. But hmm. all right, that's, that's all the plugs out of the way. Hyperfocus is, yeah. uh, I didn't expect Hyperfocus to do so well over time. That's been yeah, surprising. I think that's why like saying how to calm your mind is like the least commercially successful is not really a fair comparison because yeah. it's done like extremely well. It's just yeah. that the second one was just wildly it, Yeah, popular. I guess it's like comparing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like how to ca- like hyper focus. You can still find on the top ten books at like airports all around the world, yeah. which is just wild. And that's, it is wild. It is pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean. I don't want you to undersell the other books because no. they've done really, really well. But yeah. hyper focus is just in a whole other ballpark. So uh, sales wise. And I will say if the productivity project is the worst book I've written, in my opinion, I'll be happy. I'm happy huh. with that. All right. Because well. it's a it's a it's the lowest, but it's a high low. <laughs> but anyway. It's not a low. We're talking about other books. Yes, we are talking about other I books. I feel we balanced out the plug by talking about what we didn't like from, <laughs> and what we do. Take for that what you will, folks. Yeah. All right. What are you reading now? What am I reading right now? Yeah. I, I guess like, so the the time frame for this, we both read a lot. Time frame for this is like the last little while, what we have finished and what we're currently finishing. This is a little hard for me because I've also, 
intentionally had a very different relationship with reading in the last two years Mm. than I had historically. Um, Where it's less about quantity? Yeah, I actually set an intention to read less last year. Uh, which I know is probably different than what a lot of people try to do where I like, I pretty consistently will just naturally read like 60 books a year. Yeah. If I'm left to my own device, I read them when I, I, and, and this includes audiobooks, I should say. Yeah. And I think which about, count as reading books. If you're actually attending to them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, so because I do squeeze in reading pretty much everywhere throughout my day, you just naturally accumulate a lot of books. So even if I'm just waiting yeah. in a waiting room, I'll read a book on my phone I always have books available. So I am constantly reading either in physical form or in an audio book. And so I read a lot, but I felt like that was kind of crowding out both just quiet time and mm. other reading that I could be doing related to like academic research, which I wanted to just make more space for. Yeah. I also wanted to stop focusing on like a number where I wanted to read 52 books a year or yeah, something. Yeah, the Goodreads Yeah, the uh, Goodreads number. thing where, yeah, I always hit 52 without really trying, like it just because of the way my habits are set up. Mm-hmm. And that also made me insight. It almost incentivized me a little to read shorter books. Yeah. That, that was the moment actually I stopped using Goodreads. Yeah. Was when I noticed that it was incentivizing me to read shorter books. Well, that's just the Goodreads of, goal. Yeah, Goodreads is useful even without the goals. Let's not get into Goodreads. <laughs> well, all that to say, I have been consciously reading less. So... I mean, I still read like 30 books or something last year, but... Um, Humble brag? No, no, no. I mean, it's just that I, but I did really slow the pace, which okay. means I had to go in to a longer histor- history to get into some of these books to mm-hmm. figure out what my like favorites were of the last year or so. And that's what I've done. Cool. I have a big pile. We both have piles in front we of us. We do have piles. Do we want to start with what we've read? The most, And we're, t- we're focusing on like product- productivity reads. Oh. Things that are... Oh, are we? Oh, I got a couple of fiction here. Oh, so I, do I. I guess like... My if current you, read, reads. Okay. I, I guess if you like squint your eyes and turn your head a bit, most of these <laughs> are productivity. I have two lists. I have my most recent productivity reads that I'm okay. highlighting and I have my most recent and I put unproductive reads, which are just oh. really great books that I've read in the mo- recent time. One of these is like super nerd productivity, hardcore read. Me? No, mine. Oh, I've got four solid productivity reads oh. and I've got three... Not productive reads. Why don't we start with the, uh, I don't know. What's do productivity start with? podcast. Let's okay. end on productivity. Okay. <laughs> Let's make people wait, in <laughs> <Yeah>. other words. <laughs> end on the high note. Okay. The productivity note. And, and start on a low note. No. Yeah. All these rankings. Okay. Okay. Where do you want to start? I'm just really into drafts lately. I, I love sorting things. <laughs> Maybe it's all the roller coaster tycoon I've been playing over the break. Chris um, had a very productive Christmas break. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've built a lot of theme parks. Why, why don't we start with um, the not real books, the fiction? Okay. Sounds I always good. have to flip it in my head. Why, why you, do you have a fiction? I do. I don't have them physically in front of me oh, because okay. I read them recently. So okay. I'm going to highlight Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zabin. Oh, yeah. Which is yes. so cool. Oh, good. And good highlight. Have good you read highlight. this? No, not yet. But uh, so everybody good. in the world is recommending this. Yeah, I think it run the Goodreads best book, fiction book of the year last year. Uh, it's about video games. I have a. Um, it is about video one games. One about kind of video games. About developing video games and oh. the relationships you build when you. You play video games. It's just so good. And I'm not a huge gamer by no. any means, um, but I loved this book. So even if you're not a huge gamer, there's just really beautiful characters. It totally sucks you in. 
And everyone I've recommended it to also loved it. So I'm mm. going to highlight that one because it was just a really good read. I am a, a monogamous gamer where I read one or, or I, where time. I play one game for a very long time. So like Roller Coaster Tycoon <laughs> will last me the next four years probably. <laughs> and the last one was Subway Surfers. Yeah, you played that, that a long time. Yeah, that lasts like a, long a decade. Time. So I have two fiction. Oh, the I have three. Do I go through all three? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My next one is We Spread by Ian Reed. He's we a, Spread? We Spread, which is a... Like We Work? Like We Work, but it's We Spread. And it's by Ian Reed. And it's just a really... That's an, uh, an odd title. It's just a very... It's an odd book, to be honest. Oh. It was... <laughs> And at the time, it's a little unsettling. I will say okay. it's it's about aging and oh. um, memory to some extent as you age. But it's just written in a way that I've quite frankly never read anything like it. And <laughs> Ian Reed is a Canadian author. He actually lived in Kingston while yeah. we lived in Kingston. Yeah, and it's just a really really good book. I. I found myself totally sucked in, even though it's not like a super fast paced story. Like there isn't really a a rich storyline. I don't even know how it would describe the kind of plot. It was really about these characters and it was it was a little unsettling, but it was also just really, really good. And I find myself thinking about it a lot. You have to read it to find out. Okay. Yeah. So those were I think my two fiction. My other not productivity read, but it's not totally it's not fiction. Is the Classical School by Callum Williams. Why, which why is, do you have such a smile on your face? Because it's an econ one. book. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I think this is a really interesting history of all of the biggest economic thinkers, for lack of a better word, <laughs> in like the last 500 years or so. Um, and it just thinks about, it just summarizes how we've come to think about the economy and the history of economic thought. And I think so many people misinterpret what people like Adam Smith and and Keynes and all these other hmm. people that we hear about in the news when you highlight this policy or this policy. And I think they're very often misinterpreted or misquoted. And this book does a really good job at actually describing in detail what different economic th- theories or, or theor- theoreticians, theorists, 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 um, actually put forward and mm. actually thought. And it, it's just been really interesting. And I have a PhD in economics and I am still learning lots. So. Beautiful title. Yeah. It's a great book. All right, you're up. Love it. All right, my first pick, also a video game book, Weird. is Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Oh yeah, you love um, this guy. All uh, of the tomes. <laughs> yeah, he writes tomes. He doesn't write books. <laughs> um, but uh, essentially, you know, the, the whole metaverse thing. Have you heard of metaverse? I feel like it's a word that gets tossed around a lot now. Yep. And he coined it in this huh. book, uh, Snow Crash. And so it, it's about uh, a lot of people who live in a virtual world, but kind of move between the virtual one and the physical one. He writes these the, these delightfully nerdy books. Um, <laughs> there's even lines of code in some of the books. I haven't encountered any in here um, so far, but I'm almost finished here. And fantastic. But... I got a bone to pick oh. with um, with fiction. <laughs> so I probably read fiction at, I'd say, 10 to 20% of the pace that I read nonfiction at. Because when mm. I have a bit of time to read, I think, oh, like, do I want to spend this time uh, thinking about a, a story that isn't real? Or do I want to read a book that will make my life better in some way? 
And this mindset, which is probably a bit of a a mental trap that I put myself in, uh, because there is immense power in using your imagination and and seeing uh, different ways of thinking and relating to the world from uh, different perspectives and different stories um, and different backgrounds. This prevents me from reading a lot of fiction mm. um, because I think that when I read, I have to read these tomes like Snow Crash, which is a, a good tome yes. if you're looking for a tome. Uh, but that goes to my second pick. And okay, what? Wait, S- smell, smell, smell this book. Smell, smell this book. Uh, we have smell, a friend. Who's smell obs- the book. Oh, right, this one. It's not the type of old book smell that you typically find in a bookstore <laughs> no, it because smells, it smells like peaches. It smells like peaches. Intentionally. Uh, it, it is James and the Giant Peach by Roald Dahl. <laughs> and I have found myself loving kids' books lately uh, because as a kid, like I read a lot of books and I loved going into these stories. But now as an adult, I'm looking back and I'm seeing all these books that were formative books for other people that I didn't have the time to read as a kid. So I'm thinking, why, why would I want to read a tome or <laughs> o- over a, a book like this, James and the Giant Peach? I just finished Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Great book. which if you haven't read it and you're an adult... Read the book. It's magical. It's it's delightful. <laughs> There's all kinds of of, of candy confections and it, 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 there's a life in it that there often isn't in these thousand page books. And so I think there's often a gap when it comes to fiction between the books that I think I should be reading and the books that I'll actually be enjoying uh, as I read them. And so I've come to kind of bridge that gap over time to read more of the books that I actually enjoy. And it's kind of moving away from the Goodreads mentality, where it's about quantity, it's about pages, it's about this, it's about that. Instead, I've been looking at what do I want? And it turns out I want James and the Giant Peach and Charlie (laughs) and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, One of my favorite books growing up was uh, Henry and Ribsy. And I reread that and I'm going through that series too because I didn't know it was a series as a kid. I just stumbled upon this book by Beverly Cleary and I'm loving this road. I feel like there's a middle ground between yeah, yeah. James and the Giant Peach most, most and definitely. tomes by Neil M- most Stevenson. Definitely. But yeah. I, I do think it's, I will say, the Goodreads model, it's really great to set goals. I think that's like anything. If you have a goal yeah. and you, if you're not a big reader, setting a goal for reading is awesome. Like that's a really great way to yeah. have a goalpost to to try to, to reach that. That's not to discourage that at all because I think that's still useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you already have a good reading habit incentivizing the number can kind of, it, it incentivizes reading lots of books rather yeah. than maybe really long books or, or harder books, right? I mean, things like uh, you said, you read a lot slower fiction, which I'm actually mm-hmm. really surprised by because I read fiction a lot faster than yeah. nonfiction. Um, but some nonfiction I read slowly, like the classics, not well, classics, depending, varies depending on who you talk to, but things like Dickens or Austin, all the older books with that use slightly different language than we read yeah, now. Like yeah. it takes me half a day to read an Emily Henry book or one of these <laughs> um, like romance novels. But, but for me, non like a nonfiction book is like a break. 
because I'm reading journal articles all day for work to like yeah. piece together ideas and and assemble books of my own. So when I pick up a nonfiction, it's like it feels watered down has such a negative connotation, but it's less dense than an academic journal article. And so I find I can just kind of put my feet up and relax a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not sure I totally agree. But okay. That's okay. We oh, just read very fine. different things. Yeah. We, nice. we shouldn't have the, okay, the biggest argument <laughs> that we have ever, and, and he's we're, not we're, even exaggerating. We're, we're 24 here. minutes in. Oh, we got to wrap this up. So, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> It'll take how long it takes. But <laughs> it's every two weeks. People yeah. like another 10 minutes won't hurt. Okay. But the biggest argument, do you want to describe the biggest argument? We, we yeah. have had this argument more than one time. Yeah, as and, you do in a relationship this long. <laughs> like very heated. Yeah. Very heated. Which is. So dumb. The biggest argument it's we've not ever dumb. had. It's not dumb. This is a hill that we... Are. The, the problem is when you have something that... Like a hill that both people are willing to die on. I don't think I'm willing to die on this hill. I, I just think I'm right. No, you are not. We, we don't need to bring this on the podcast. Well, the argument is that Chris does not believe fiction and nonfiction should be ascribed the way they are. He yeah. thinks that labels should be flipped where... Or no, that things no. are... That nonfiction shouldn't be the opposite of something. It should have its own categorization. Yeah, because I am not non-Arden. I am Christopher. Uh, you know, something should have an identity of its own. Its identity should not be, and it's an argument on semantics, which probably nobody uh, that listens to this is interested in, but... It should have an identity of its own. It shouldn't be that it, 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 its name is not the other thing. Nonfiction, the name is that it is not the other type of book. It should have its own grounding, its own... I, anyway, we don't, we don't need to get into and this. And that's fine. But because <laughs> I'm right. We, we don't need to... We're, it's already we're, been we're resolved. Gonna, it's funny because so we've had many emails of people who, who... Or comments in reviews that people say, I can't imagine Chris and Arden ever fighting. Oh. And this one, this will always do, people do it. people say that? Yeah, and a few reviews, they're like, their chemistry is so good. They, I bet they never argue. I'm like, well, we've been together well, long, long time. Well, Sometimes we argue. Not, not a, but most <laughs> but topics just we Just about book typology, I, apparently. So. <laughs> yeah. so moving on to your favorite category, nonfiction. Hey! But in particular, in particular productivity reads. So yeah. books that are slanting towards what we would call like a productivity yeah. book. Do you want to start? I got three. Or I can start. I got three. How many do you have? I have four. Okay. Why don't you start? Okay. So the first, I, and I think there's a kind of common theme across all four. The first would be Stress-Free Productivity by Alice Boys, which is yeah. a very interesting book. I think we've actually talked about it on the podcast because yeah. I did read it, I think, about a year ago. So it's it's just a really interesting and a kind of different book than a lot of the productivity we should, we should, literature out there. We should ask her to be on the pod. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, but this is one of the, it really focuses on how to avoid perfectionist thinking, which can prevent people from finishing stuff, right? Like if you're an over-perfectionist, you'll never finish the, ship the thing, right? Um, and a lot of her work also talks about how productivity rituals are very individualized. And I just, I loved that idea. There yeah. were so many parts of that book that I really thought were useful and really encouraged reflection to, I mean, you mentioned earlier, like you don't have, or a lot of, you don't really maybe necessarily Many people don't learn from their historical productivity successes. Yeah. Uh, and this book really encouraged you to do that, which I thought was really helpful. Oh. 
Yeah. Cool. So I think like half of the book is dedicated to that, which is pretty cool. My second book then is Good Habits, Bad Habits by Wendy Wood, which is another wonderful book. It's written by an academic who is quite honestly one of the leading researchers on habits and habit formation in the world right now. And she, it's just an amazing summary of a lot of the research out there specifically on habits. And I think it talks a lot about the systems around habits that affect habit formation or maybe the lack of habit formation. Um, and I thought it was, I think the research-based approach really resonated with me, mm. um, but it's also really, really practical. And I, I've read lots of habit books. There are lots of habit books out there. This one really stood out to me. And this is kind of related to the third one, which is Grit by Angela Duckworth, which was, I, I mean, people have probably come across this term grit it's kind of out there in the pop psychology yeah, yeah. literature or whatever culture in the world right now. Um, but it's this idea of that tenacity or this kind of like never give up attitude is really what predicts success, not necessarily talent or innate talent, um, where if you have just innate talent, but no perseverance, any kind of setback will basically halt progress entirely. And so um, where grit is this, I think in this idea, the the, well, the idea behind grit is that it's a kind of function of both passion as well as this like tenacity or perseverance. And you can cultivate both of those components mm. to have more grit in both of your work and also your just life more as a bigger picture. Cool. And then my last one Hi. is How to Write a Lot by Paul J. Silva. How and this to is, Write a Lot. Yeah, it's a guide to academic writing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> do you think it can translate to uh, other so, writing too? Or, or maybe even other creation? I think so, because hmm. a lot of it is also very intuitive, right? If you were asked to say, what are the 10 things to help you write more? Yeah. You would probably get a lot of them if you coffee, are... Coffee, coffee, coffee. No, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> um, you would probably get a lot of them if you have spent any time reading books in this genre. Yeah. Um, like, just do the work. Try not to... Don't try to clear your plate. Just do the writing when you have the chance. Don't wait for the perfect conditions, because the perfect conditions will never show up. Um, and I think that actually brings me to what the common thread across all four of these, and it's something that I'm trying to really cultivate in my life, is this idea of consistency, that productivity mm. isn't ever going to be linear, but it is going to be a function of consistency. And yeah, not every day might be as productive as the next. However, constantly attending to whatever you're like putting effort into whatever you're trying to be showing up. a master at is like half of the battle. And so I think when I was in my PhD, I thought I just relied on a little bit more of like a volatile relationship with productivity where I would get so much done in like one week and then the next week it would be lighter. And I was very nonlinear about it. And now I think I've just cultivated much more of a sense of consistency. And that was something I set out very much to do explicitly last year. And I think it's actually worked. Hmm. So It's funny, the most productive people out there their schedules often look very boring. Yeah. Right? They wake up and they write. They wake up and they have a lot of meetings and mentor a lot of people. They wake up and they do X or Y mm -hmm. or Z. But what they spend their time on, on a consistent basis, on a daily basis of just showing up and doing the work, is what is the input to the output that is their success and the thing that they're proud of creating. And so if you're a writer... You got to write. There's yeah. no way around that. If you're uh, if you're a researcher, you got to write. You got to do the research. If, and and so there's really no way around that. And it's it's funny so much of productivity advice is really just getting to that point where you are consistent. So I love yeah. the picks. Yeah. There we go. My first one. 
Mm-hmm. How not to age by Are you Mike. done? Hmm? Are you done this one? Or are no, you... no, I'm not done yet. But uh, I've done enough to be able to recommend this Ooh. book. Uh, Michael Greger, friend of the pod. Yes, we had him on the show. Back in the day. Yeah, it's a bit of an old one now. Uh, episode number 19. Whoa, that <laughs> is know. a full <laughs> one. 100 episodes ago, so like four <laughs> years ago or something probably. Um, How Not to Age, the scientific approach to getting healthier as you get older. Uh, I'm also uh, in the middle of, I haven't listened to enough to recommend it yet, but by Peter Atia, Outlive the Science and Art of Longevity. Um, There's a lot of books in this space, but the the thing about them is the aging, the anti-aging space is full of just, what's the best word? just pseudoscience snake um, oil snake oil <laughs> yeah it's full of stuff that isn't grounded and rooted in research and the best advice is right research is truth uh, often right sometimes it's disproven but there's a process to disproving it and so research that's rooted in this scientific method is far far more likely to be true and helpful in the long run, when that's kind of the foundation to what you consume. And that's why I love Gregor's work. He, he also wrote uh, How Not to Die, How Not to Diet. Um, I forget which book he was on the pod to, to talk about, but um, they're all great books and, and they're all rooted in the scientific research on these topics. And this one is no exception with uh, aging. Love it. Second book. Look at this. Signed copy. Yeah, I'm always surprised when there's those stickers when you bought this in Ottawa. Yeah, I bought the in this book in particular. But Rick Rubin just R- playing playing hooky in Ottawa. Yeah, I even found a beard hair in here. No. No, I didn't. But the creative act, a way of being. Um this is just a, an incredible book if you're a creator, uh, mm-hmm. if you're somebody who has that kind of ritual where you create on a, on a regular basis, where creation is your input to whatever you wish your output to be. Um, it's, it's written in a way that could be read as flowery. And could mm-hmm. be interpreted as kind of over fantasizing the the creative process, but I think that is creation, right? It is creation because you have to pull from interesting places when you're creating something fresh and new, and those places are external to you and they're also internal to you. And Rick Rubin has worked with musical artists that uh, have created work that. anybody would be proud of creating. Um, And, you know, just we'll we'll link to his Wikipedia page in in the podcast um, show notes. But if you're somebody who creates and you're looking for either uh, inspiration or uh, methods or uh, sources to draw from, from this creative process, and, and you have an open mind to learning how to create better and, and deeper, I recommend the creative act a way of being. It's a, it's a really tough book to describe, but it, it's kind of written in almost a, a Seth Godin-y kind of way mm. where it, it's a lot of different digestible chunks, but all have a nugget of, uh, they all have a nugget of insight and wisdom behind it. Uh, I would describe it as a very wise book. Mm. 
I see it everywhere. I yeah. feel like it's a really big book this year. It, it was a very, very big book. And the third one, so we're getting more and more productivity focused and related. Oof, that's a tome. I don't think anybody will want to read this. <laughs> Looks like a textbook. Well, it, it is. It's a, it's a collection of academic essays. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's okay. The, the book is called New Developments in Goal Setting and Task Performance. Riveting. Uh, yeah. Even from and, the title. And this is, I think the audience for this particular book is a lot smaller than every other book that we've talked about because um, it's the actual research behind goal setting and, and task performance. Uh, but if you're somebody who is, say, a, a manager, a, a people manager, if you're somebody who really cares about the nitty-gritty research behind uh, human performance, how you pre- it, it covers everything from stretch goals to mm. smart goals to how big our goals should be to uh, whether we're being too ambitious or not ambitious enough. Or I'll open up a, a random page, working with goals in therapy, uh, linking goals into aging, experimental and lifespan approaches, goals in negotiation. Hmm. Um, units, divisions, organizations, goal setting in teams. And so, uh, you know, we goals... talked about some of this in um, episode 112, too. Yeah, yeah. The, the difference between learning goals and performance goals, um, pursuing multiple goals at one time. And so it's kind of one where you can skip a lot of chapters because every chapter is its own individual unit. Um, and one thing I will say about this book is. And I want to say this skillfully. The references, well, I guess I'll just be direct. The references aren't always great. Um, and so you're going to have to go a layer deeper sometimes um, and reference kind of what the references are that they're referencing in the book itself. Um, I've encountered some interesting kind of controversial sentence sometimes um, and kind of followed it through to the the actual research that somebody was citing. And it was like an article somewhere that was written by, a say, a management consultant that wasn't rooted in research. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of it's fine, but keep in mind that the quality uh, between the different chapters does vary uh, of this academic book. But new development... <laughs> I don't know if anybody will... Want to, want to Nobody pick this will one. do that. Yeah, but um, but do keep that in mind. It's 650 pages. New developments in goal setting and task performance. I know I said kind of flippantly, nobody will do that. It is a good thing to do. Like always yeah. check what the sources are. But you're an academic. Like not not everybody yeah. will want to want to. No, do that. not everybody will want to. But it's a really good skill to have. And I think especially as things like artificial intelligence come in. Yeah, checking sources is always. Um, it should just become kind of habitual when you're faced with new information. Yeah, especially when like something like ChatGPT, which we we should chat about maybe Oof. for an episode of the pod. It's a can of worms uh, uh, of a topic, but ChatGPT sometimes reminds me of somebody who can speak very confidently but has no idea what they're talking <laughs> about, and so you like look up what they said after, and it's all just bullshit. Um, that's sometimes what chat GPT does with its hallucinating. You got to check the work. You, you, you have really to check, check the work, work. Uh, of chat GPT, um, uh, because it's that confident person who just speaks a bit too confidently sometimes, but, um, that's something to t- I, I would say actually reading research papers is a skill in its own right as well. hundred percent. Yeah. But if you do have that skill, you can often 
skip the second layer of of like articles and stuff and yeah. just go straight to the academic article. Yeah. Like I know when I'm thinking about, oh, I want to do learn something about, I don't know, some kind of supplement or something. I'll just go to all the academic papers. And I, like Google Scholar has become essentially my Google for what I think a lot of people use Google for. I just go to Google, Google Scholar because I do have the skill to be able to read papers and know what's good and what's not. Yeah, it, Not it, in every field, obviously. I'm not like an expert in health, but... Yeah. Um, you, I can definitely read a regression and I can definitely read stats and figure out what the interpretation is. Nerd. Spent a lot of time in school. I would hope nerd, I could do that. Nerd alert. <laughs> All right. Lots of books for yes, you. Lots of books. If you had so to pick you, one, if you had to pick one to recommend. Um, nonfiction, I'm going to recommend Good Habits, Bad Habits by Wendy Wood. Yeah. And fiction, I'm going to recommend Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. For nonfiction for me, I'm going to go The Creative Act way of being and for fiction i gotta go it's not in front of me here but charlie and the chocolate factory if you have not read that book read that book yeah highly recommend the movies are not quite the same this is no. one of those cases where the movie is just not nearly as good even though the gene wilder version of the movie is, is wonderful and, and it's the easiest read oh yeah <laughs> it, it's meant for people a lot younger than you yeah <laughs> so it, it's a uh, it's something i highly recommend Chris is reading the version that I read as a kid, and in the front it's, it says, Arden Nordstrom with yeah. my like eight-year-old Written printing. in like kid <laughs> scribble. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, but that's time and attention for you. Yes. Timeandattention.fm is where you can find all of the, uh, the links to all these books. Yeah. They're also in the show notes. Awesome. There, there will be Amazon links in there. They are referral links, but we'll donate the money as usual. Um, that's it for the pod. See you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.